from Indianapolis with an eye on every corner of Indiana. This is IBJ Media's Inside Indiana Business with Gary Dick. Presented by Ice Miller and Indiana University. The numbers are in on how much money college football's crown jewel pumped into Indiana's economy. And the drought is over. We're on the field at Lucas Oil Stadium to break it all down. Plus... Then the check, then the layoff, then the goal. Why the IU Kelly School of Business and professional soccer players are scoring big on the pitch. And celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month in Indiana. We crisscross the state to visit Latino businesses that are clicking on all cylinders to drive Indiana business forward. Hello and welcome to Inside Indiana Business. I'm Gary Dick, coming to you this week from the home of the Indianapolis Colts, Lucas Oil Stadium. And you know, since this venue opened in 2008, it has been home to so many iconic sporting events from Final Fours to the Super Bowl. Those events helping Indianapolis live up to its name as the city where champions are crowned. Those big events also have big time economic impact for Indianapolis and the region. And the numbers are just now coming in on the most recent marquee event here, the 2022 College Football Playoff National Championship game. And joining me now on the field at Lucas Oil Stadium is Susan Boffman, the uh, president of the 2022 CFP uh, Indy Host Committee. And Susan, as always, great to see you. Thank you. Uh, the numbers are in $156.6 million uh, reaction. How does that stack up with expectations? Yeah, we're really excited. We came in over the projected number of $150 million, which was done well before we knew anything about COVID. So the $156.6 million we think was a really solid base, and it was a great boost to the economy starting in January as we kicked off this year. Going inside the numbers, uh, there it was a big number in terms of the local wages that were paid to the hospitality sector, for example, hit very hard during the pandemic. So that number, very important to an important part of the economy. Definitely. It was $53 million that went directly into the pockets of, of residents and workers here in the hospitality and the downtown industry. Um, so that was a really good boost, I think, as far as being able to hire people back and knowing they were going to have consistency from January forward. Media exposure is always kind of tough to really calculate what that is, but uh, I know a big number uh, on that. And the number ratings-wise for the game itself, uh, which gave Indianapolis a big hit, was, uh, I guess, the largest non-NFL number ever. Yeah, ESPN broadcast, it was $22.2 million, so that set a record for uh, non-NFL games. And then our media impact... Um, across the four days of the event was over $34 million. So that doesn't even count what we did leading up to the game. So it was a great way to get Indianapolis and Indiana back in the eye of the public. You never know about certainly the weather in in January, February here. Lucked out during the Super Bowl uh, a number of years ago. It was very cold this time. How did that impact? Yeah. Uh, You know, I guess one upside is living in Indiana and people visiting here, you're going to bring your winter coat. And that was great. It was a little cold. We actually got good feedback on the city. People really enjoyed the ability to walk around, even though it was cold. They also got to take advantage of the skywalks from hotel to hotel in the venue. Um, So that all got very positive commentary. Feedback uh, from uh, the the, the leadership uh, in terms of how Indianapolis did. Indy always gets very high marks. How about this time? Yeah, living up to the history, right? Um, The CFP out of their national office was very happy. They're getting a lot of good feedback from around the country and have showed signs of interest in coming back. 
Speaking of coming back, um, everyone wants to know, hey, we're going to get another game. We're going to get another national championship game or expanded playoffs, uh, maybe maybe something else. Have there been talks along those lines? Early discussions and definitely interest, I think, on our part amongst our stakeholders and um, the city and state government. We felt like there was a great return on our investment. We are really appreciative of our donors that funded this. And so I think we would keep a steady eye on what opportunities are going to come up here in the future. You mentioned the economic impact, which is so important uh, for these events. This event occurring at the beginning of the year, the beginning of 2022, that kind of set the stage uh, coming out of the pandemic for other events and conventions and things in, in Indianapolis as well. Yeah, I think thanks to great leadership from Andy Mallon and the CIB working with health and safety procedures, we were able to conduct the event, have it fully ticketed and have all the full attendance, um, which really gave confidence, I think, for other events to come in and, and feel that they could do the same thing. And we're certainly grateful to see that resurgence of, of people downtown working, playing, having fun, coming to these events. Another byproduct of events like this are these legacy projects. And I know teachers and teaching a big part of that, and that is continuing uh, well beyond the game. Yes, that was a goal we set to try to not only take care of teachers during the two or three years leading up to, mm-hmm. but to continue on after the game. And I'm, I'm pleased that we're able to do that. We have a partnership with the Department of Ed um, through the state, through Teach Indy, uh, working on placement of minority teachers and also continuing to renovate middle school uh, media centers. Susan Boffman, the uh, head of the uh, Indy, the CFP host committee here in Indianapolis for that big game with big numbers it generated. Susan, it's always great to see you. Thank you so much. All right. Well, the CFP uh, National Championship game, just one of many events uh, in Indianapolis, committed to Indianapolis and more in the pipeline. For details on that pipeline and more, let's go outside of Lucas Oil Stadium now and our Mary Rachel Redmond. Well, Gary, this truly is the house that Peyton built. Without him, we probably wouldn't have had this. Indianapolis on this Sunday, America's sports capital. Super Bowl 46. Or this. Indianapolis, now only four remain. Sucks for the win! Oh, yes! Oh, yes! And this. Welcome to downtown Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship. So what's next? 2024 is going to be a big year. We start off with the NBA All-Star Game. Then we have the Olympic Trials for swimming. We're going to build two and a half pools inside Lucas Oil Stadium and have the largest indoor swimming crowd ever. Uh, And then we have Big Ten football. Uh, NCAA Final Four in 26. It's his first final. Oh, and by the way, Indy hosting the Olympic swim trials in 2024. Kind of a big deal. It's the only way that the team gets picked to go to Paris for the Olympics. So if you don't perform that night, you don't make the team. It's really going to be the mecca of swimming for nine nights. Nine nights of primetime coverage. It's going to be nine nights of Georgia Street parties, nine nights of a fan fest. So there's going to be something for everybody. And from the pool to the pinnacle of every football player's dreams. With the first pick. Could Indy be a potential candidate to host the NFL draft? First of all, I think we're the perfect candidate for the draft. I mean, there is no better city uh, to host an event in. But we have put in an uh, interest uh, for the NFL draft. The NFL draft is obviously something we're watching. Uh, We've sent teams to Cleveland and, and watched the draft last year to kind of see and envision what that would look like in Indy so that we can put the best foot forward when our opportunity comes. From Gamebridge Fieldhouse to Lucas Oil Stadium, if you're a sports fan, a lot to get excited about over the next two years and beyond. Let's send it back to you on the field.
All right, Mary Rachel, thank you. Well, coming up next, Purdue and a shift in strategy when it comes to educating the next generation of business leaders. Details on the university's new business school. And one of the key figures pushing economic development in central Indiana is taking on a new role in higher education. President Witten said, if you're passionate about growing Indianapolis's economy and then the state's economy, there's no better way to do that than at IU and she said the states with the best public universities are the states with the best economies for attracting and retaining talent and she was like tell me where I'm wrong. Much more with former Indy Chamber CEO and soon to be VP of Community Relations at IU Michael Huber on the next edition of the Business and Beyond podcast. You can find it starting Monday at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. We are back now inside Lucas Oil Stadium. And on your last trip to Lucas Oil, you were not seeing things if you noticed something different about the scoreboards here. They are much bigger, like the size of a 2,000 square foot home bigger, all part of the Indianapolis Colts enhancing the game day experience at Lucas Oil Stadium. It's time now for Ion Education. Well, Purdue University is embarking on what it calls a bold new vision to create a business school of the future. The slick state-of-the-art building is part of Purdue's plan to transform its current school of management into a new school of business. Numbers are driving the need to expand. Purdue says it has seen tremendous growth over the past three years in the number of students at the Cranter School of Management, a 33% increase that fueled the need to create a new way to educate future business leaders. If you go back to what made our school great uh, at its inception in the 1960s, it was a focus on how do you take uh, the best parts of science and engineering training uh, combine that with uh, providing students business acumen uh, and the, the combination of those things, uh, you know, is really potent in terms of the ability of individuals to go on to lead or found great technology companies. And so on a, from a curricular perspective, uh, we are dramatically expanding uh, degrees that really sit at the intersection of the STEM disciplines and business. Well, Indiana University and professional soccer hitting the pitch together in the name of higher education. The Major League Soccer Players Association will soon partner with the IU Kelly School of Business so players can earn an online MBA certificate or Master of Science degree. The MLS joins the National Football League and more than a dozen others to take part in the Kelly School of Business program. The greatest benefit for us is that the diversity of perspectives that the uh, MLS players will bring uh, to their learning also enriches the learning of all the other students. The, the MLS students do not take specific standalone courses just for them. They'll be in, uh, you know, they might take a finance class with students from Raytheon and General Motors, uh, uh, Purdue School of Agriculture, uh, all of our different partners, NFL, and, and they'll just all be there together. Indianapolis-based Project Lead the Way has a new leader. The National Education Nonprofit has appointed Dr. David Dimmitt, president and CEO. He succeeds Vince Bertram, who retired this spring. 
Dimmitt has more than 13 years of executive experience with Project Lead the Way, which provides learning experiences in computer science, engineering, and biomedical science for pre-K through 12 students and teachers. Well, what started as a side project for a radiation therapist at IU Health, it's grown into a full-blown 3D printing lab, so busy that it needs to relocate to 16 Tech. Let's go back in studio now, where Kylie Valletta has details. Kylie. Thank you, Gary. The 3D Innovations Lab at IU Health takes ideas from clinicians and helps bring them to life. Some of the projects include custom 3D printing devices for radiation therapy. This could be devices designed to fit a patient's unique anatomy perfectly to ensure radiation is delivered with the most accuracy. The lab can also print surgical models using the patient's specific anatomy, so surgeons can use the models to prepare for complicated cases before the operation. Brian Overshiner started the lab as a side project, but his services were soon in high demand. In fact, the lab has outgrown its space in the basement of University Hospital, and early next year we will move to the 16 Tech Innovation District. It's a, a beautiful uh, campus just across the street um, from our facility here. Um, very um, forward thinking, um, tech oriented. So we think it's a good match for the type of uh, work and technology that, that we use. Um, it will just give us um, a proper space to, to house our equipment and our team to work out of um, and just kind of really be allow us to be more creative there. So they have a great makerspace there as well at, at 16 Tech with filled with all kinds of, of emerging technology tools such as lasers and plasma cutters and vacuum formers and all kinds of things. Um, a lot of those things we don't even know how we'll use yet, but we'll have access to those those things. So when we do have use cases, we'll we'll have that you know be able to use these other tools. So just just gives us more in our toolbox uh, of our arsenal to help people uh, you know help deliver the best care that we can. You never know what someone's going to ask for, and a lot of times you know when clinicians have problems um, or you know they come to us for solutions um, and they don't maybe have an engineering background, um, but they know what they need and they know what they want something to do. And, and then we take it upon ourselves to figure out how can we accomplish that? So it just gives us, um, you know, a challenge every day when they come in with a, with a, with a hard problem sometimes to, to find solutions for. The lab has now created more than 350 radiation therapy devices and about 50 surgical models. With the move to 16 Tech, the lab will also be growing the team significantly. Up next, an update on a huge potential shot in the arm for the northern Indiana economy. We'll have the latest on where things stand with Altium cells and a massive EV battery plant in St. Joseph County. And what you can expect to see in the IBJ this week, a deeper dive into a Mexico-based ag tech company setting up its first shrimp operation in Indiana. Plus, Dave Lindquist looks at the new trend in music, how careers are being built on online data, and a report on the dynamics behind the race for Indiana Senate between incumbent Todd Young and Democratic challenger Tom McDermott. And Gary will be right back from Lucas Oil Stadium after this. At PNC Bank, we're committed to making a difference in the lives of our customers and communities by helping them move forward financially. As a Main Street Bank, we try to do right by our customers with every encounter. Our local teams offer personalized financial advice to help guide you in making the best decision. We're proud to be part of your community. PNC Bank, 
See how we can make a difference for you at PNC.com. Copyright 2022, the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc. All rights reserved. Here's a mind boggler for you. If you took every brick off of Lucas Oil Stadium and lined them all up, that would span some 185 miles, which is like driving from Indianapolis to Chicago. Well, as we continue our show from Lucas Oil, let's take a look at what else is making business news headlines around Indiana. Well, passengers flying in and out of Fort Wayne International can now see the first stages of a major renovation project. Fort Wayne International adding two new passenger gates, relocating its existing gate eight, also added amenities for travelers with disabilities. There are new glass passenger boarding jet bridges, additional seating and new men's and women's restrooms there. The renovation project now moves on to existing gates five through seven, and those uh, gates expected to reopen early next year. Well, Launch Terre Haute is searching for the next wave of entrepreneurs with its Launchpad pitch competition. This year's event will have a focus on food, specifically food entrepreneurs who could win space for their uh, business inside Haute City Center. Launchpad was created a year ago with the goal of giving a local startup a location to set up shop. It's time now to go inside innovation. Well, big news in northern Indiana, the St. Joseph County Council unanimously approved tax incentives and a development agreement for a potential $2.4 million electric vehicle battery manufacturing plant in New Carlisle. Ultium Cells is planning a 2.5 million square foot facility, which is expected to create 1,600 jobs. The 656 acre site inside the Indiana Enterprise Center is one of four locations being considered for that joint venture. Ultium says it hopes to break ground on the project by early next year and production could begin in 2025. The South Bend Regional Chamber says the plant could generate an estimated $652 million in annual economic impact once it is fully operational. Well, the fourth startup to launch out of High Alpha this year has closed on a $4.2 million round of seed funding. Humankind is a retail technology company that offers concierge services so retailers can make personal connections with online shoppers. The startup says it plans to have more than 25 employees by the end of next year. The launch of Humankind is High Alpha's 26th to date. Well, coming up next, a trip across Indiana and a big fist bump to Indiana's thriving Latino business community. We're celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month with Yelp's Brittany Smith in this month's Trendiana. And join us as we honor human resource leaders in the areas of diversity and inclusion, talent recruitment, employee experience, and training and development at IBJ's inaugural HR Impact Awards. That's October 13th. Reserve your seat by October 5th at ibj.com slash events. I feel like I'm part of history, Coach Stadium. So I look forward to come back and bring my family and sit exactly where I was working at and tell them, say, hey, I did this. Maybe grandkids be playing here one day. Say, Grandpa built this. That's James King from Gary. His hands were part of the crew who built the railings inside Lucas Oil Stadium, the home of the Indianapolis Colts and so many other big events. Well, Hispanic Heritage Month, it celebrates the many contributions, the diverse cultures, as well as the extensive histories of the Latino community. 
Get this, the Indianapolis Chamber of Commerce estimates that Latino-owned businesses in the Indianapolis metro area alone contribute some $1.1 billion to the local economy. And I'm pleased, as always, to be joined by Yelp Director of Community Campaigns, Brittany Smith, with a sampling of some really creative Latino businesses. Brittany, always great to see you. Thank you, Gary. Uh, great to be here. Yeah, here at Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, you have a really cool sample. Let's get right to it. Number one, Don Juan. Don Juan's V's Peruvian, which is right here. Yes, right on the southeast side of Indy. This business has actually made our top 100 places to eat in the entire country. <laughs> and it is a great spot to try out Peruvian food if you've never had it. And again, this whole list is highlighting food businesses, but that's just the tip of the iceberg of businesses having an impact in Indiana. They are known for their Peruvian breakfast that is served all day. Folks love to go there and try out their Lomo Saltado, which is a beef tenderloin strips with sauteed veggies. It's really a fun business. That sounds yeah. very tasty. Mm -hmm. uh, for our next stop, Taqueria. Uh, loose tacos, tacos. Yes. and you went to your hometown of Union City. Yes, right? this is such a great story. The Uyoa family has had such an impact on downtown Union City and the revitalization. They have currently two businesses and actually adding a third next year with rotisserie wow. chicken, so expanding on that main street. Um, they are known for their torta sandwiches as well as the super burritos, as well as hosting events in the community and getting folks out to learn more about uh, the Latinx yeah. community. You always have a great statewide uh, sampling, and this is another example going to Mishawaka for Caracas Bistro. Yeah, this is one of the highest rated places to eat in the Mishawaka South Bend area. They are known for their Venezuelan street food. So you got to think of beef empanadas, fried plantains, but they're also known if you got a sweet tooth. They've got these milkshakes that are over the top with donuts on top, sprinkles, really fun if you're wanting to try something new. All right, here's a tasty one. In fact, I think that we have uh, yes. right, right in front of us, a Mama Inez Mexican Bakery. Mexican Bakery, yes. Lafayette and Indianapolis. Yes, right? they've got three locations. And as you can see, they do a beautiful beautiful job with custom cakes, uh, pastries, a lot of your Mexican baked treats that are classics, but they're also known for their tamales that are in the back of the shop, so you go try those as well. And folks just love in the reviews the atmosphere. When you go in, you get a tray, you get your tongs, you go around and try different baked uh, treats, and it, yeah. it's a really fun business. All right, our last stop, we go to Northeast Indiana, Kikianga Craft. Yeah, this is the first new hard cidery in Fort Wayne. Folks really love the historic aspects to it, so they're using an old apple press. They're um, about 14 different hard cider taps so you can try a flight, try a little bit of everything. They've also got local beer and wine on hand. And it's a great time of year to visit with it being apple cider season and they're doing live pressings right there on site. So make a half day of it. All right. Very good. Sounds like a, a really great trip, a great trip around yes. the state of Indiana. Hispanic Heritage Month. Brittany Smith, as always, thanks. Thanks so much, Gary. All right. And thank you for joining us on this special edition of Inside Indiana Business coming to you from Lucas Oil Stadium. We want to thank the folks here at Lucas Oil for hosting us uh, for this week's uh, show. Uh, and as we leave you this week, uh, we uh, really want to give you some sights and sounds over the years from Lucas Oil Stadium, the house that Peyton built, and the wide range of big name events this venue has hosted. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm Gary Dick. Go out and make it a successful week. Thank you for listening to the Inside Indiana Business Television podcast. Remember, you can get the latest business news from every corner of the state at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Go out and make it a successful week.